One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Three teams, each with a chance to force a Game 7, and only one came through. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert with you. Yes, on a night where three teams needed a win to survive, to extend their series to force a seventh and deciding game, it was only the Minnesota Wild who prevailed. Their 3-0 victory over the Vegas Golden Knights will set up what could be the perfect send-off to what's been a very entertaining first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs with a Game 7 Friday night in Vegas, but the bracket does continue to come together after two more teams were eliminated on Thursday. We now have five of the eight teams that we need through with the Islanders and Lightning following the Bruins, Avalanche, and Jets into the final eight. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs and Carolina Hurricanes can also advance Thursday night with victories and then the final team through if those two teams are able to get through on Thursday night, will either be Vegas or Minnesota with the chance to advance Friday and the winner facing the Colorado Avalanche on in what will be the series that might be leading the marquee. Um, okay, so let's get into the games. Let's start with the series that was extended. It was an uneven road to Game 7. In fact, it seems like it's a minor miracle that Minnesota will arrive back in Vegas for a Game 7, despite how talented Minnesota is. Um... But there was no secret to their success in Game 6. As exciting as they were in the regular season, as, uh, you know, entertaining as they've become this year, they decided not to be this this, in this game. They decided to put the clamp down in a big way in this game. They haven't managed to do it in every game. In fact, it was the exact opposite when they survived in Game 5. But they frustrated Vegas beautifully on home ice in Game 6, just waiting for their opportunity to strike. And that came nearly halfway Uh, Through the third period, only 14 shots against at the time. And Kevin Fiala and Ryan Hartman found themselves breaking away in transition. A beautiful pass from Fiala to Hartman. And it was finally the moment where the Minnesota Wild broke free and got that goal on Marc-Andre Fleury that they believed could be the difference. It eventually was, but it all didn't sort out without any controversy. In fact, the loss, or the Vegas Golden Knights rather, were jobbed in this game let's just be frank uh Chandler Stevenson a few shifts after the Hartman goal had a goal called back himself on goaltender interference the play was originally called a goal and reversed on the ice after a huddle between the officials it was then challenged by Pete DeVore the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights and the call was upheld very quickly frankly I thought it was an awful call so what happened was Alex Tuck did something that happens on any prolonged shift in the offensive zone. He entered the front of the net to provide a screen. And what happened when he arrived is that Matt Dumba, the defenseman for Minnesota, basically wedged him in place, just didn't allow him to move. Uh, Kind of, even from side to side, he just wedged him into the space that he was in. 
And that worked out pretty well because he provided, or those two provided, a very good screen. Um, but what was ruled after Stevenson had put the puck in the net, that there was goaltender interference on Tuck. And it's tough, though, because there's no contact at all, or very little contact. But I guess the referees ruled, now we'll get to why they might ruled it, ruled it that way in a second, but I guess the referees ruled that Talbot's, the, t- the space that Talbot wanted to occupy, Tuck was in. And again, Dumbo was preventing his exit. I don't think you can quibble with that idea because Tuck's, all of Tuck's forward pressure was on Dumba. He was trying to remove himself th- through the situation by pushing forward and away from the goaltender. But as I mentioned, wh- why was it called the way it was on the ice or, or after the review? Probably because the referees are trying to find every reason to uphold or uphold, yes, uphold their call on the ice. So you're trying to validate your call on the ice if you're the referees. And if you originally call it a goal and then decide that after a quick dis- discussion that Tuck was indeed impeding Talbot, you're looking for clear-cut evidence that that wasn't the case. And I think if it was ruled a goal on the ice and challenged by Dean Evison of the Minnesota Wild, you would have up- upheld it that way. And that's just not the way that we should be deciding series and important playoff games at this time of year. Like, that's just not how it should go. You should take all the facts into consideration. You don't have to make a ruling on the ice. The ruling can just be, hey, we're going to look at this because Toronto needs to make the right call in order for this to be a just result. And that just didn't happen. We had referees trying to justify their call on the ice, something that happens in a split second. And that's just not the way that NHL goals should be reviewed in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We have to find a fix for this because it's just not right. And this has become a little bit of a trend for Vegas. Uh, Peter DeBoer, their coach himself, uh, he's starting to feel that Vegas misadventure or misfortune or the bad luck that only in four short years they've had in the postseason. This was not on the level of Cody Eakin's major on Joe Pavelski that basically turned a three-goal lead into a, well, it took away a three-goal lead from Vegas in a game seven versus the San Jose Sharks. That's the reason they lost. They gave up those three goals in on that five-minute major. And Pete DeVore benefited from that. But in this case, he certainly did not benefit. The call, in this case, in Tuck's case, I believe was wrong. And like the Pavelski-Eakin incident two years ago or three years ago, when Pete DeVore managed to get by Vegas, this could be the reason why his Golden Knights failed to advance out of the first round for the first time since that devastating collapse versus the San Jose Sharks. Uh, it's remarkable, this team. Like, how good they... How good of a franchise they are, all this postseason success and drama, but also this like heartbreak and disappointment. Like this is, I know, maybe hyperbolizing this a little bit, but this is a, this could be a huge swing moment in the series and a reason why a really good team doesn't get by another really good team, but a team that many people believe they're better than him, even though they haven't been able to prove it yet. They'll have that chance again in game seven. Now, like it always does, I mean, it seems when a failed coach's challenge um, is issued, it comes back to haunt them doubly. And insult to injury was in effect again with this one with the wild scoring on the corresponding power play after the Vegas Golden Knights had to issue a challenge or risk that two-minute minor in order for the referees to actually look at what should be a play that you know obviously should be looked at again. So that's another wrinkle to the rule, which you know, sucks for the Vegas Golden Knights. It basically took any air that they had left in their sails completely gone. 
I have spent a lot of time on that, but the main reason the Wild have forced a Game 7 is their goaltender, Cam Talbot. He's been sensational to this point. Game 4 was a little rough, but on balance, he's outperformed Marc-Andre Fleury in the series, and that is why, predominantly, we are going to 7 games. Okay, let's move on to the next game. The Islanders with a 5-3 win in Game 6 over the Pittsburgh Penguins in front of a raucous crowd at Nassau Coliseum. It could have been the last game at Nassau Coliseum because they're getting a new stadium or arena next year. But the fun that's had in that legendary barn will continue into the second round. And really, the series boils down to one thing for me. It's that the Pittsburgh Penguins did not get strong enough goaltending from Tristan Jari to win. Jari was the reason, the primary reason, that Pittsburgh lost three of its four games. He allowed at least four goals in four of the six games. And he served up the overtime winner straight to the stick of Josh Bailey on one of the games where he didn't give up four goals. So really, he only provided a winning performance in one of his six starts. And that's just not going to cut it no matter what, what team you are. However talented, you are, however talented you are, if you don't get meaningful goaltending, if you get goaltending that continues to have you dig out of holes all the time, you're just not going to win against in the postseason, and you're certainly not going to win against a Barry Trotz team. In Game 6 in particular, Tristan Jari lost this game in the space of three minutes. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins, despite him struggling early in the game as well, they went from up 3-2 to down 5-3 in just a handful of shifts, Two minutes and 59 seconds to be exact. Just, just Tristan Jari imploding in that three-minute stretch. And that cost Pittsburgh a chance to force a Game 7 and potentially go on another run with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Um, that said, the difference in the goaltending, I mean, that's why the series went the way it did. But this was not a robbery or an unjust result. This was a 50-50 series and one goaltender or two goaltenders were better than the other goaltender because the Islanders used both Ilya Sorokin and Simeon Varlamov. It was Sorokin in game six. But on balance, this was just a fairly even series that wound up going in favor of the team that had the better goaltending, which is something we see all the time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Usually, though, it's more competitive than what we saw between Jari and the tandem from Long Island. Uh, for the Islanders, this is just a remarkable run. The three seasons since John Tavares left... They have been the team offering condolences in the handshake line five out of seven series. They've lost just twice and won five series in the last three years, and they have a chance to win more. They've beat the Penguins twice. They beat the Capitals and Flyers as well. And now they're going to have a chance to take down another Eastern Conference heavyweight in the Boston Bruins. But just tremendous success for the New York Islanders and tremendous success and a remarkable run for Barry Trotz. Nine consecutive first-round series for the head coach of the New York Islanders, Four with Washington before he got to Long Island, two with Nashville before he got to Washington, and now three as the head coach of the New York Islanders. As mentioned, it is the Bruins next. They get the chance to take down uh, the third seed. Not, uh, not, not to say they're the hottest team, but the team that many people were picking to come out of the East Division are the Boston Bruins, and the Islanders obviously get them next with a chance to play in the Final Four again like they did last year. They'll be underdogs in the series, but anyone counting them out you know, they'd be foolish. I mean, they've been proven foolish over and over and over again. Eventually, we got to give the Islanders their respect. They're certainly in this series, and probably it's going to come down to another 50-50 one because that's just what Barry Trotz does. Uh, in terms of footnotes, it'll be the battle of the major trade deadline acquisitions, I guess. Uh, I think both the Islanders and Bruins wanted Taylor Hall. 
Uh, one of them, the Islanders, grew impatient and went out and got Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac instead, while the Boston Bruins slow played the whole thing and wound it wound up getting Taylor Hall for pennies on the dollar. So that's an interesting thing going on. It's also Taylor Hall versus Jordan Eberle. So Edmonton Oilers fans that are feeling a type of way after they got swept at the hands of the Winnipeg Jets can at least be interested in that little subplot. And not that it matters, really, but the Islanders did win the season series 5-2-1 and one over Boston. So we'll see what happens. That series will probably begin this weekend. As for the Penguins, it's a huge summer. Um, I mean, most of the roster players are still locked up and you have a season's worth of data to prove that you can still be a highly competitive team. I mean, they won the best division in hockey. Maybe not the team with the best teams, but on balance, the most competitive division in hockey was the East Division and they went out and won it. But this does set up next season to be the final kick at the can for a variety of reasons. Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Brian Rust, and Jeff Carter are going to be unrestricted at the end of next season. Even Kasperi Kapanen and Jared McCann are going to be RFAs. So it's almost like this is the first and last chance for Ron Hextel and Brian Burke, the new look management team, to build around the existing core before it all dismantles. Lots to do, obviously, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to bring on some talent and and make sure that this season, uh, this upcoming season, isn't wasted around Sid and Gino and Latang one more time, at least. But you got to think Ron Hextall starts with the goaltending. I mean, a former goaltender himself, a proud goal, former goaltender himself, I mean, I can't believe he would be happy with the goaltending that he got from Tristan Jari or have any any confidence that Tristan Jari can turn this around and provide what they need to win postseason series. The biggest question for Pittsburgh, and there are a lot of them, is going to be goaltending. So it'll be fascinating to see what Pittsburgh does with Hextall and Burke at the helm this offseason. Okay, finally, let's move on to Tampa, where the Lightning shut out the Panthers 4-0 to win the first ever meeting between the NHL's Floridian franchises in the postseason. That is some strong alliteration. Um, in this series, I just think the Lightning passed a major test. I had con- I had my concerns about Tampa. I had big concerns about Tampa. Kucherov coming in cold, Hedman hurt. Maybe the motivation's not there. Facing a really strong team in the opening round, but they won this series with a level of professionalism and postseason polish that Florida just didn't have. And now, as we spin this forward, they're probably favorites regardless of who comes out of the other Central Division series between Nashville and, and Carolina. In the second round, they're going to be favorites for sure. For the Panthers, though, I think for this for them to win this series, I think they would have needed a mulligan built in somehow. That's uh, obviously not reality, but it seems they weren't quite ready for this. They were fantastic in game one. I thought they brought absolute heat to Tampa Bay early in this series, and they continued to. They were good. But it was almost like they had to find their way on the fly, and that's hard to do against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. There were so many examples of the inexperience from malfunctions in the defensive zone structure major issues on the penalty kill sam bennett's suspension worthy hit when the adrenaline was just off the charts not throwing out an optimized roster until trailing into the series not starting your best goaltender maybe until game five just so many things to overcome right and they learned on the fly like they found they discovered a lot i think about themselves as this series continued and they started to get their legs more and more into it. But you have to put your best foot forward immediately against a team like Tampa. 
And as much as they were coming into the series, Tampa was never more in control than they were in game six. I mean, Florida essentially produced nothing at five on five in this game on Wednesday night. They just locked it down. Tampa did after the Pat Maroon opening goal. And they just, they just, from there on, they were just able to batten down the hatches and, and keep Florida from breaking through in the game and prolonging the series. With Florida, though, I mean, so much potential. Stars like Sasha Barkov, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Wieger, Aaron Ekblad, hopefully he comes back from injury just as strong as he was. Potentially Spencer Knight can be the goaltender that they paid Sergei Bobrovsky to be. But lots of members of the supporting cast and ample opportunity to continue putting solid pieces in place. But I guess there's two main questions. Can you get under out from underneath the Keith Yandel contract? Clearly, they don't want to keep putting him in, into games, and they probably feel an obligation because he's got this Ironman streak and he's so close to becoming the all-time leader in consecutive games played. Like, I, I think they wish they didn't have that problem. I think they, we saw it at the start of the year where they didn't want to put him in the lineup on night one, but an injury made it so that he had to go in, and then he played the whole season. Uh, but if, like, Seattle could take him off his hands, I think that, that would obviously be a favor. So maybe we see some sort of deal. I don't know, but I don't think the Panthers want Keith Yandel and the money he makes on the roster anymore. And I guess it's the other one is, can they pull off the unthinkable and find a way to do the same with Sergei Bobrovsky? That's going to be a tough sell, obviously, to anyone. He's just simply tremendously overpaid at 10 plus million dollars a year. And there's probably nothing they can do about it. So they're probably, they are fortunate that maybe their best goaltender is going to be earning entry level money for at least a couple more years. But with Florida, like it's not going to be easy next season. This is a, uh, it's going to be a major tug of war. Excuse me, a major tug of war in the Atlantic Division. Um, we got Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Montreal, an improved Ottawa team battling it out with Florida, Detroit, and Buffalo. God, they're going to be in rough shape. Okay, quickly, let's get to the tire pump uh, for Ethan Bear, who did a really duff, difficult thing on Wednesday by standing in front of a camera and calling out those who threw racial remarks at himself and his family after. Edmonton's loss in game four and his mistake in that loss in that decisive moment from Kyle Connor. You know, Ethan Bear is an important, important role model in the indigenous community and someone many people look up to. So for him to stand up and show that it's not okay to be intolerant, demand that you be treated fairly despite what color you are or what culture you come from, and show that it's okay to make a mistake and that insults and hate won't be hurled your way and hurled in your direction because you made that mistake just because you are a certain way like that. That is just not fair. And for him to show that was a major, major step and, and, a, and a great thing for him to do. Very important, admirable on his part. So a worthy tire pump to Ethan bear and the Edmonton Oilers for giving him that platform. Uh, Thursday, as, as mentioned, two games, game five between the Leafs and Habs and game six between the hurricanes and the predators before game seven on Friday night between Vegas and, and Minnesota. You know the drill. We'll be back to discuss when it's right. We'll chat then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 